0: doing what I love, reading, writing, and thinking while making a hell of a living and helping my people do the same. So the TLDR version is this. You should only meditate if you're an atheist or a transsexual. Just kidding, but also seriously. No, but really, here's the actual deal. I don't know if this has been your experience, but here's mine with meditation. I'll be going about my day, doing my own thing, and then I'll find myself listening to a podcast interview of someone I respect. During the interview, inevitably, the person will bring up the topic of meditation and kind of conceive it or present it as the secret to their success. For instance, the best-selling author... Yuval Noah Harari, who wrote the book called uh, Sapiens, he was on an interview once and he professed that he literally could not write the book Sapiens if he did not practice uh, Vipassana meditation for two hours a day. I don't even know if it's called Vispasana. I don't know what it is, but it's some type of meditation. And he just sat there literally for two hours a day. And he's like, this is the secret to my success. This is... The secret and the only way that I would have been able to actually write the book Sapiens. He went on to say, and he made a pretty good point. He was like, look, I'm I'm trying to fit and encompass like, you know, 200,000 years of human history into a 400-page book. Without meditating in serious contemplative thought and calming the mind and concentrating... I literally would not have been able to write the book sapiens so inevitably you know hearing something like this it it sticks with me and it sits in the back of my mind and ruminates for a while then what will happen is i'll come across another interview and i'll be listening to another podcast for instance i was listening to one with uh, tom bill and uh, he was interviewing robert green the author of like 47 laws of power the laws of human nature he really likes the the term laws i think it makes his book sell a little bit more who knows anyway he was on an interview and tom asked him like you know what have you been doing and he said that one of the most game-changing things that he did for his own writing and his own work the most transformative thing was that about 10 years prior he started uh, the practice of meditation and that really helped his writing tremendously and also his life inevitably what ends up happening is that over the course of the following weeks I'll start to like see and recognize uh, other people who also profess that meditation is an absolute key to their success in work and also helps them operate throughout life the list of people include you know, figures like the author Tim Ferriss Naval Ravikant the investor the comedian Jerry Seinfeld the producer Rick Rubin, Sam Harris, another author, and also former president Donald J. Trump. I'm just kidding about that last one. But seriously, when these people talk about meditation, they essentially profess it and share it as if it's the secret to their success, to success and happiness. What usually then follows is I'll begin to get inspired and then decide to practice meditation myself. I'll do like, you know, 30 minutes on the first day, Maybe the second day, maybe a third day. Maybe I'll do even a streak of a week. But eventually, over time, I'll kind of settle into a a daily routine of 10 minutes per day of meditation. Just sitting there and just meditating. But at some point, you know, I've made it like, I think, maybe three months every day, which pretty, pretty good streak. At some point, maybe after a month, two, maybe I'll hit three and hit my max, is I'll inevitably end up stopping. Life will get in the way and the results of meditation aren't tangible enough for me to actually, you know, sacrifice and do it on a consistent basis every single day. Also, after some time, I'll begin to kind of start thinking logically. And, you know, if I've convinced myself that meditation is the key to success, you know, I'll start looking and seeing pieces of evidence that disconfirm that belief that I held. And same for happiness. I'll, you know, find an instance of someone that is seemingly perfectly happy you know like reading a biography or something like that right and then you know come to find out that they have never sat and meditated for a second of their life and so that disconfirming evidence also uh kind of results in me stopping the practice of meditation after some time and it's it's pretty obvious it's not really hard to kind of see this uh instance occurring right like all you have to do is look at the uh Forbes top Ten billionaire list to find disconfirming evidence of such you know like evidence that hey meditation is not essentially the key to success for instance the billionaire investors of uh you know Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger you know they have done profoundly well for themselves and they also seem pretty happy but they don't don't meditate and they claim to not meditate or look to elon musk who you know at least at the time of this recording is uh you know successful right and he's on record of saying that you know he's tried meditation but he doesn't find it particularly helpful or useful for him if you think meditation is the key to success and you start seeing these disconfirming pieces of evidence It starts to build up. So let's get back to the point. You know, the reasons for meditation and the reasons against meditation. And let's kick things off by starting with the reasons against meditation. If your goal is to accumulate wealth, then really you have no reason to meditate in fact out of the top 10 wealthiest people out of all of them there is only one who meditates and that is larry ellison who is the founder of oracle therefore it seems that wealth accumulation really isn't a good reason to meditate so why meditate then the reasons for meditation revolve around three things better clarity better decision-making, and essentially more tranquility. When our mind is constantly racing with thoughts, then it creates a life wherein we are completely unplugged from reality. And being unplugged from reality hampers our ability to make good decisions, wise decisions, Decisions that we won't regret later on. It seems paradoxical, but we essentially escape reality by living in our mind. Meditation allows you to slow down and observe the thoughts. Observe these seemingly sometimes freaking chaotic thoughts that are constantly racing through our own mind. After meditating, your day feels a lot more calm and tranquil than a day spent with your thoughts, these thoughts constantly racing through your mind. As Seneca once put it, he said, nothing is a better sign or signal of a well-ordered mind than a man's ability to just sit there with his own thoughts in his own company and just pass the time. Here's another way of looking at it. A life of 95 years comes out to 34,675 days. If all of those days were 20% more tranquil because of meditation and you did that every single day you meditated, then you would essentially effectively live a more tranquil life. And if you desire a more tranquil life, then I guess that's a good reason to meditate. Basically, if you want to optimize for net tranquility over net worth, then you ought to really take meditation seriously. And that's a good reason to meditate. But is net tranquility the only reason to meditate? No. And here's why. If you look at the list of people who meditate, you'll notice that a lot of them are authors and intellectuals. Those who spend a lot of time processing and working with knowledge, aka working with a lot of thoughts racing through their own mind. And this is true not only of our modern times, but also throughout history. Take the 17th century scientist and intellectual and philosopher Robert Boyle, for instance. He existed and lived in the 17th century. He is on record of practicing meditation throughout his entire life. And he actually started as a young boy, which I don't know, I haven't read anything uh, similar to that happening, uh, you know, in any other biography or throughout history. So it's it's an interesting thing that you find these prolific thinkers and not just Robert Boyle, um, even more recently, more recent history, Aldous Huxley, for instance. And a lot of these intellectuals, they find meditation to be a profoundly huge beneficial practice for their own intellectual life or take the catholic intellectual uh antonin Sertianges. it's i don't know if that's the right pronunciation in france in french france french whatever uh he is a well-renowned french intellectual and this is what he has had to say about meditation he said meditation is so essential to the thinker that we need not urge it Anew. Essentially, it seems that meditation is not only useful in building a more tranquil, you know, peaceful mind and peaceful life. It is also useful in developing better thinking. So now we have two reasons to meditate. One is net tranquility. And then the other one is essentially to optimize for net thinking now at this point you're probably thinking and you're probably guessing that i meditate and that i think that you should too but that's not the case i think people today go way freaking overboard when it comes to meditation they turn it into a daily practice and then they guilt trip themselves the second they miss a day i think there are plenty of actually good alternatives to meditation you know one is reading in fact if we take another look at the top 10 List of Forbes billionaires, we find that, you know, only one of them meditates, right? But almost all of them, the majority of them, are voracious readers. So perhaps it's not actually the practice of meditation that is valuable, but it is the act and the practice of slowing down the mind that is valuable. In doing so, in focusing on some practice that helps you slow down the mind, right and think deliberately you're not only optimizing for net tranquility and net thinking but you're also able to optimize for net worth as well so here is my practical prescription here's what i'm getting at basically i don't think you should worry about meditating every single day sure add meditation to your toolkit and use it in an on-demand fashion whenever your mind is like particularly scattered. You know, maybe like once a week or something, you know, if that. However, don't fret and freak out and be convinced that you need to turn meditation into some daily ritual. I would advise, however, that you do try to have some deliberate practice for slowing down the mind on a regular basis. This can be through meditation, prayer, reading, journaling, or whatever. There's also another powerful practice that I found to be a complete game changer. And especially if you're an independent creator, an independent writer, and you want to make a living kind of like me, you know, I spend my days reading, thinking, taking notes, and also making a fantastic six-figure income doing so. And I have my own deliberate practice that I ascribe to and that I follow. And this practice that I'm speaking of will come as no surprise to my shepherdians aka uh, subscribers to my physical monthly newsletter, but the practice I'm referring to is that of something called neuro imprinting, And that is taking a piece of writing and then writing it out yourself by hand in your own handwriting by hand on a piece of paper, word for word. I do this myself with great sales letters and great advertisements in order to sharpen my craft and get better at writing promotions for my own products and for my own websites. But neuro imprinting doesn't have to be just for practical purposes. I also, on a regular basis, neuro imprint pieces of literature with like seemingly zero practical value. For instance, here's uh The Great Gatsby, right? A classic book, very well written, great prose in it, meaning like the style of the writing is fantastic. Well, over the past year, you know, just bit by bit, I have been You know, writing out by hand, neuro imprinting every single word, you know, of the book, right? And F. Scott Fitzgerald, the author himself, he wrote out, I have it on the back shelf, the manuscript, he wrote out that entire book first by hand in pencil. And when he messed up or made a mistake, he didn't erase it. He just crossed it out, even though it was in pencil, and he kept writing. And this process of Doing this allows me to kind of connect with the text and engage it and soak it into the neurons, you know, the grooves of my mind. I also uh here's a book. This is uh, by a by a poet named Rupert Brooke. And I neuro imprint from time to time, like I did yesterday, uh just to slow down the mind and start to think and kind of get my get my brain going. I neuro imprinted some of his poetry. And uh, Rupert Brooke was actually he was a a well-known poet at the time. He died very young uh, at the age of 27. And he was like famous at that time period. And someone that F. Scott Fitzgerald actually looked up to. And so in doing this, I'm able to like pick up things and pick up ways in which like F. Scott Fitzgerald, the writer, was inspired by the poetry of his idol at the time, Rupert Brooke. Right. By neuro imprinting. Right. And doing this a slow, deliberate practice, slowing down the mind. So while there is no like direct practical purpose for me in doing such, I find the experience to be very meditative in nature and helps me slow down my mind. I can also observe thoughts and write them down to the side as they come up. And for me, at least, it's a lot more of an enjoyable, fulfilling process than you know, meditating and sitting there, you know, and just observing your thoughts by doing the practice of mindfulness, right? And like I said, add that to your toolkit, practice meditation when you want, but it doesn't have to be meditation. You don't have to implement that into your life to deliberately slow down the mind and gain the benefits of unplugging from the rat race of thoughts throughout your own mind. If you subscribe to the Scott Shepard letter, then you already know and are familiar with this practice because at the end of every single issue, I give you a neuroimprinting assignment to write out by hand. And I've not really talked about this publicly until now, but that's like a surprise that people have uh, really enjoyed about it. It's uh, the ability to take a piece of literature, a piece of writing and write it out By hand. So for everyone else who hasn't heard of such a practice or hasn't heard of such a thing, I invite you to give it a try and see uh, if you like it and if it works for you. And if it does, comment in the video below and uh, let me know. I hope this gives you something to test out and something to try. Anyway, that's all. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. And always remember to stay crispy, my friend. Hey, real quick. This podcast was made possible by my sponsor, which is me. Yes, frickin' me, Sir Scott of Shepherd. You see, I am committed to never shilling some dildo-freaking-hipster-crappy product like all the other podcasters do, alright? So my only ask is that you spend 10 seconds, right now, pull to the side of the road even if you're on the frickin' freeway, and rate and review this podcast. Then share it with a friend. That's my only ask. You see, this will help spread my movement, I want to create an army of 1,000 independent writers, creators, and thinkers who get to spend their days doing what they love, writing, creating, thinking, and taking notes using analog tools, while also making multiple six figures if they even choose to. And more importantly, I want to help my people build a tribe, a tribe of people that they were meant to serve. And so by rating and reviewing this podcast right now, you will directly help me and many others, in achieving this mission. Peace.